Good morning and welcome to the Marcus Today members exclusive podcast. My name is Henry Jennings. It is Thursday the 27th of July and as always with all the information contained in this podcast it is general advice only. So please do your own research, contact your own financial advisor regarding any of the thoughts, ideas or insights. Well it's just after 11 o'clock on Thursday. We're up 42 points, 0.6 of a percent. We have a liftoff, as I wrote this morning in the strategy piece that I put together, 7444.3. We definitely have a liftoff after that benign and better than forecast CPI number, of course, yesterday coming in at 6%. We've gone from 8 to 7 to 6. Will the next quarterly have a 5 in front of it? It does certainly look that way. But before you get all excited, of course, one of the factors behind the fall in inflation has been uh, somewhat lower energy prices, but certainly somewhat lower fuel prices. And of course, we have seen the oil price tickle a little bit higher in recent weeks and months. And also, of course, we've got those big rises in electricity and power prices generally coming through uh, from the 1st of July, I believe. So let's not get too carried away, but let's not spoil a good story either, because we are doing well today. And it is very much the banking sector which is leading the charge. We've got CBA up 1.3%, ANZ up 1%, Westpac up 1%, NAB, the standout, at 1.4%. Now, there are some things that you can take to the bank, if you like, in the Australian market. There are two things that are almost ingrained in the Australian investor psyche. CSL will never, ever put through a downgrade, and Macquarie will always under promise and over deliver well unfortunately this morning macquarie held their agm and it does look as if they've not only under promised but under delivered very un-australian of them of course csl we did see the first downgrade i think ever recently and that really has tanked the share price although it's up 1.1 percent today but macquarie is down five percent on the back of this agm commentary and i have to say i was somewhat cautious going into the agm mainly on the back of the issues that the U.S. investment banks have had, the M&A activity around, and also the lack of commodity volatility and certainly something Nico Kane, who is the highest paid and big driving force behind the Macquarie miracle numbers that we've seen recently, is a little out of sorts in that commodities and global markets division. And certainly that is something that Macquarie did allude to today. So uh, it is very much... Uh, a underwhelm kind of AGM as well. They did focus, of course, on the surplus capital. Of course, that's always something that's good. Uh, Shamira noted the Q1 highlights for each operating group. Uh, Macquarie Asset Management had $864 billion under management, which was pretty much in line with March 31st. Uh, But as I say, the outlook statement included things like Market conditions, including global economic conditions, inflation, interest rates, significant volatility events, and the impacts of geopolitical events may influence short-term outlook. Well, duh. She also said that they maintained a cautious stance with a conservative approach to both capital, funding, and finally liquidity, which enables Macquarie to position themselves and respond in the current environment. But certainly uh, that is something that we have seen in terms of uh, the commodities 
division, which has been the powerhouse. Commodities performance was significantly down on previous corresponding period, largely driven by reduced trading activity across gas and power. So certainly something the market has taken to heart this morning. Uh, capital fee income as well was down. Investment-related income down on private uh, on previous corresponding period. Fewer material asset realizations. Macquarie has been an expert at buying stuff and recycling stuff, uh, but unfortunately, that does seem to be taking a bit of a backseat at the moment. And as a result, we do have Macquarie currently down around 5% as I speak. There will come a time when it's right to dip back into this one. I was very nervous going into this number and as a result did not put it in the one-stock portfolio despite some, I guess, some temptations to do so as the equity market has rallied. But what we did see with the US stocks and the US investment banks is they were saved to a certain extent by their ordinary Uh, banking activities with a net interest margin. Of course, Macquarie, nowhere near as big in that business. They are probably the fifth biggest lender now in Australia. But even that, I suspect, has come in for competitive issues. So no reason to to be looking at that one just at the moment. That's probably something un-Australian to say. And also, of course, as an old alumni of Macquarie, uh, I have a very big soft spot for the company. But at the moment, happy to stand aside, let the dust settle Uh, They are $174, a long way from price targets, which I would imagine tomorrow will get downgraded. The other thing that we have out this morning, of course, is uh, Rio results, which came out late last night. And uh, I did a bit on CNBC this morning on those results. Uh, They were somewhat mixed, to say the least, Um, very much mixed. A lower dividend, missed forecast, very much at the hostage to commodity prices. What is interesting is Samantu in um, Africa is starting to become a little bit more of a reality. <coughs> also, looking at Rincon, the, uh, the big blowout in costs there. This is their small lithium project in Argentina. Or Argentina. Uh, that is their small lithium project there. Um, it's only new to them, and they're talking about baby steps. With those costs blowing out from 140 million US to 335 million, first saleable production now expected at the end of calendar year 24. It was the first half of calendar year 24. So not only is it costing more, but production is being pushed out, which is interesting. We have seen, according to the AFR, around $6.5 billion in cost blowouts in critical minerals projects in the last few months. That is quite significant. If I was Rio and I was looking at buying uh, or building a Greenfields or even a Brownfields lithium project, because obviously that is something that interests them, I would be looking at buying something that is already in production. Now, scratch my head, what springs to mind? But Pilbara, I have to say, all right, it's a $17 million bite. They do have $3 billion in cash as well. But certainly something to think about there with uh, the lithium space. Also today we have had uh, Fortescue out as well. Uh, That uh, has delivered um, a fifth consecutive export iron ore record. 48.9 million tonnes over the past three months for a total for the year to June of 192 million tonnes. So pretty good. Of course, this is just a production report. Interestingly and worryingly, they did signal as well that cost inflation may not have peaked 
in the Pilbara. The company predicted its mines would produce iron ore at a unit cost of 18 and 19, between 18 and 19 per wet tonne, excluding the cost of royalties to governments and traditional owners. Uh, that guidance is marginally higher. The market was going for 17.5 US a tonne. Rio is around 21 still. Gone are the days, though, when Fortescue and others could pull uh, iron ore out of the ground or dig it out for 12, 13 bucks US. Certainly, we have seen uh, some serious inflation in the mining sector. As I said, that uh, cost blowout to critical metals is part of that. In other news today, just uh, a little bit of news from uh, Regal which is looking at taking over Pacific Current Group, PAC. Uh, that's certainly in focus. Uh, we have uh, Megaport has upgraded its guidance, uh, and the shares are jumping and pumping today. Normalised earning before interest rates, interest taxes, depreciation and amortisation was recorded at 11.8. Um, it has now uh, produced EBITDA for 23, recorded at 25.2, which was within its updated guidance range of 24 to 26. So pretty good uh, numbers there. Uh, we also have some more news out today, this morning as well as GQG, which uh, is um, involved in this Pacific Current Group. We've got Regal uh, bidding for that. And now it looks as if uh, GQG says it intends to submit a non-binding indicative proposal or an NBIO to acquire the group as well. Game on, it seems. So that'll be of interest today. Looking at uh, the Marcus Today world today, uh, we have in the strategy piece today, just looking at comparison to uh, various stocks and uh, looking at comparisons I guess, in terms of uh, online retailers, which have been on an absolute tear recently and have been doing very, very well. The likes of Satire, Temple and Webster and Kogan, whose results were out yesterday. It looks like it's sweating the assets, taking its inventory down and uh, trying to um, uh, boost margins. So that has been good. The stock is up another 4% today. Uh, but looking at Satire and uh, Temple and Webster and Kogan in comparison... For me, looking at Satire, it's hard to go past Farfetch, which is a very similar business doing a very similar thing. And some comparisons there do make Satire look a little bit on the ritzy side of things in terms of valuation. But why I ask the question, is online retail doing so well? Luxury retail, Satire doing well, Kogan doing well, Temple and Webster, which you would think would have implications for other retailers like Nick Scarley, perhaps, and even the good guys uh, through JB Hi-Fi. But one for me that stands out is Premier Investments, which has you know, some of the best retailers in the business working for them. Solly Lou, certainly one of the best, and has not really rallied. A lot of angst and a lot of pessimism was built into that retail sector, and it got really walloped. Super Retail, Nick Scarley, JB Hi-Fi, Harvey Norman, Premier, Breville, etc., etc. There's Accent One, all pummeled, but a lot of them have made comebacks. But Premier Investments has not made a comeback in the same magnitude. So that was my buy this morning. Certainly uh, very keen on that one. The other one that I highlighted a little while ago as an earnings surprise upside as a buy uh, is uh, corporate travel. This was on the back of Flight Center, which um, updated the market in terms of how much business travel was going on. 
Corporate travel, of course, has won a couple of big contracts. Uh, one was a renewal uh, in Australia. One was a big one in the UK. Stock is doing well today, up 3.4%. So pretty happy about that one. But looking at comparisons is always good. Trying to work out like with like comparisons. Of course, the biggest comparison in the world is the risk-free US bond rates. And the question is, if you can get 5% in US treasuries, why would you bother with stocks? And of course, that is the major comparison. But given that the Dow is about 2 or 3% away from its all-time high, of course, last night we did see the Fed raise rates. It is uh, somewhat neglectful of me to not mention that, but I'm sure you've had that pounded into your head all morning uh, with all the reports. But the Fed did, unsurprisingly to anybody, raise rates by 25 basis points. But remember, the US interest inflation rate now, rather, is 3%. We now have interest rates in the US, five and a quarter to five and a half, and inflation, we're not talking core inflation, uh, but inflation at 3%. So we now have got back to a normal situation where rates are higher than inflation. Of course, in Australia, we do not have that luxury. Rates are still below the inflation rate. So that is of interest. But um, looking at those comparisons, of course, uh, that's certainly something to look at. Uh, we also looked at Stellantis against Tesla. Uh, US car companies and European car companies traded a massive, massive discount to Tesla, which is on a huge 65, 66 PE going forward as against sort of three, four, or five for a lot of the European and US car companies, which are a mere uh, dot on the horizon when you look at Tesla. In Henry's take today, just a, uh, I was on CNBC this morning talking about Rio, which took up a little bit of preparation time. So also a little bit of a mea culpa and a little bit of an apology. Yesterday I had to make two Ausbiz because I was on the investment committee show that we recorded yesterday after I did the call. I would recommend watching the call. It was a lot of fun, and uh, we did cover some interesting stocks. But on the investment committee, I did get a little bit cranky. I have to say the performance has been suboptimal. Uh, there is a little bit of a bearish tilt to the investment committee, which I'm not always happy with. And uh, I was on Skype as well, not in the studio, so it did get a little bit hijacked by one particular talking head. I won't name names. You can watch it and work out for yourself. But nobody puts baby in the corner, and I did get a little bit cranky. Uh, so I'm sure that'll be for f- some fun viewing come Tuesday. But more importantly, I guess, in the portfolio, we have had an update from Karoom this morning. Stock is a little bit easier, but at least the good news is that the tax incentive, or the tax that had been put on them uh, in a temporary fashion, has been taken off. We've also, in the bad side of things, Leo Lithium remains suspended. Leo Lithium has been a nice little winner for us. Not huge, but uh, not a bad one. Of course, this is backed by Gang Feng in Mali. Now, the government in Mali has sent a letter to Leo Lithium, and it looks as if, even though it's snail mail, that letter has provided a little bit of um, angst, potentially, for Leo, and they are responding They are now suspended for a little while longer. We're talking August the 7th, I think that was. So we're going to have to wait and see. But I have to say, it's not particularly great news when you're suspended for that length of time. 
So that is something to bear in mind. As far as the uh, positioning in the strategy goes, we are still long the S&P 500. Uh, nothing has changed there. We are still out of the NASDAQ, which has really, uh, despite uh, its best endeavours and despite, I guess, to some extent, the um, meta result, which was pretty good, uh, despite that, uh, the NASDAQ really hasn't kicked on. The Dow is the one, 13 days straight. S&P is holding in. I feel a bit remiss that I have no uh, ideas in the official ideas portfolio, but they certainly have been throwing up ideas for people from corporate travel to Whitehaven, this morning Premier Investments, etc. Uh, just haven't added them officially to that box that Marcus has. And um, we still have nothing in the one-stock portfolio. Uh, certainly are not rushing in terms of buying into Macquarie, waiting for the dust to settle. Very happy, feeling a little bit lucky in some respects, that I missed, or at least were Mr. Floppy, for taking a punt on the AGM comments today. The writing for me was well and truly on the wall looking at the US investment banks. And Macquarie is a very, very good imitation of Goldman Sachs, probably better than Goldman Sachs in many ways. But the factors that affect the likes of Goldman Sachs, etc., Morgan Stanley and uh, JP Morgan also affect Macquarie. Less deals, less opportunities, less volume, less activity and less profit for these guys. So that's very much in evidence from that uh, number there. Well, that's it from me, I guess. Uh, the market at the moment, as a, we uh, finish this recording at 11.25, we're up 50 points, 0.7%. The winners are grinners today in terms of Megaport, which has had that uh, result. IFL doing well today. The Independent Order of Odd Fellows, as it used to be known now, Insignia uh, doing well today. They've announced some uh, FUM. The girls just want to have fun and uh, a quarterly business update as well. We've also got Sanfire Resources in the copper space doing well. They've put out a quarterly report, quarterly presentation there. Of course, that's one of the few pure copper plays in terms of the ASX at the moment, now that we've seen the demise of Oz Minerals. In the naughty corner today were Whitehaven Coal, which I had been pushing on the back of the climate change and the heat wave in China. Uh, we did see coal prices come off last night down 5.5%. Uh, Luca also under a bit of pressure today, some broker downgrades coming through for them. And Regis Resources, the big loser, down 11.5% on their quarterly report. So plenty going on. Market looks good. Um, stay long, sing a song. And uh, we do look as if we've broken through the 7,400 level Friday to come. Can we make it 14 days on the Dow? But at the moment, the NASDAQ looks a little uninspiring. Toing and froing, Meta good, and uh, Microsoft bad. So we do get a slew, of course, of more US numbers to come. That's it from me. Thanks very much for listening. Have a great rest of the day. And we'll be back again this evening with the end of day report. <laughs>